summertime. And the living's easy. Except that it's hot out there. Yeah. Especially back home. Oh my goodness, I've gotten so many text messages from friends and family talking about how it feels like 101. That's not them just saying, oh, it feels like 101. No. The weather apps. The weather is telling them that it feels like 101. My sister sent me a picture of her outdoor thermometer reading 113, I think, the other month. Oh, was it in the sun? No, it was in the shade. Oh my gosh, no way. It's just really humid and really hot over there. Her grass is all burnt. Oh, the deep south. Whenever they send me pictures of their weather, I like to send them a screenshot of our weather. And I get all kinds of uh, jealous remarks about our 76 highs. Today was 66. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're a little weathery here. We've got lots of clouds and wind and rain. Just don't know what those people down south are to do about their weather woes. Well, I have some primitive ideas. Shall we find out what the ancient Egyptians did? Well, it wouldn't be an episode of Thingamajigs, the exciting history of mundane things, unless we talked about what the ancient Egyptians did. So they experienced summer and the heat that comes with it the same as we do now. Well, it's probably worse now. <laughs> Unfortunately, they didn't have great ways of cooling their dwellings. The way they combated the heat was by hanging wet laundry in their windows. The outdoor wind would blow through the wet material and cause the water to evaporate, making the air cooler as it entered the house. That's pretty classy. I like that solution. It doubled. It was a, a, a dryer and a cooler at the same time. House is cold and moist. Your clothes are dry. Win-win. Wind-wind. <sighs> I wonder if it was normal for people to pass your ancient Egyptian neighbor. I guess they weren't ancient at that time. Your Egyptian neighbor... <laughs> They probably didn't call each other their Egyptian neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd pass by Muhammad's house and you get to see his all his unmentionables. Did they have unmentionables? We've never talked about underwear. We'll have to figure that out in the next episode of Sandwiches. <laughs> you get to see how often your neighbors did laundry. Judge them quietly as you walk down the street. Mm, I haven't seen your laundry in your windows for three weeks. Linda. See how many how many streak marks they got going down them to whitey tidies. Rome learned to use their aqueducts to help cool things down. We've talked about those. Those are pretty nifty. Incredible aqueducts. Wealthy citizens would route aqueducts through the walls of their homes. The circulating water had ev evaporative qualities that cooled the air. For the most part, summer heat was fought against with architecture. Aren't you going to ask me what kind of... Well, what kind of architecture? What kind of architecture? I'm so glad you asked. I have quite a list. So they built homes with heat in mind. Underground homes was an idea. Cave dwellings and building homes in hillsides helped to keep the homes cool. Like the hobbits. I was thinking about it earlier today, how much I would love to build a hobbit hole. Like, all you really got to do is build a regular house and then bury it. All you need is a shovel. Yeah. And a pick. And, of course, round windows. If you're going to have a hobbit hole, all the windows have to be round. 
You could throw some grass seeds on it if you were impatient, but I, uh, realistically, it would get covered in grass eventually. High ceilings were implemented. The hot air would rise, making the air down where you live relatively cooler. Wind catchers were pretty cool. They were towers that would catch the wind, forcing it into the, I am going to call it a reverse chimney for the mental picture. That's pretty much the concept, yeah. And then the wind would pass through a moist screen. The water in the screen would not only filter the dust, but it would also cool the wind down as it entered the home. Some had turrets. Like machine gun turrets? Like, bah, 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 bah. No, maybe. Is that how they fought the heat? No, I don't think so. Eat lead, summertime. Bah, 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 bah. They're just out there shooting the sun. That's how they take out their frustration. Quite cathartic. No. Turrets, like, kind of like the wind catchers, to help exhaust in- internal heat. Well, that's not as fun. They should be helping to exhaust the heat from my browning M2. Okay. They looked very regal. We will have to add a picture of one in the dock. A pretty simple answer was planting trees near your house. I like that one. As long as you don't live in hurricane climate. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, planting trees near your house is a big no-no in the south, which is kind of a bummer. Because it's very hot. Yeah. I think they must have expected their houses to... I'm going to plant this tree to cool my house for my grandchildren. <laughs> but the shade kept the sun from beating on your house, so that was, that was something. Alternatively, porches. Porches were essential for keeping the house cool. You wanted your windows open for that life-giving cross breeze, but they needed to keep the sun from shining in. Porches. People spent a lot of time outside under their porches. Porches became bedrooms a lot of times because they were so much cooler in the evenings than inside the house. People with flat-top homes would pour water on their roofs to help cool the home down. Get a cooler house and an elevated swimming pool. Seems like a waste of water. Transom windows were installed above all the interior doors. I obviously know what that is, but uh, would you mind explaining to the listeners, because you know how they are, uh, what a transom window might be? Don't put down on our listeners. Every every single one of them probably knows what a transom window is. Yeah, only only an idiot would know. What is it? It's a window that's installed above all the interior doors. So you'd have a window above your door that goes from one room to the other. Exactly. Help that airflow. They would open to allow airflow from room to room and then could be shut in the winter to keep the heat in whatever room you were trying to heat up. Um, Our cousin who lives in the really old house has transom windows. That's the first time I've seen them, and I thought it was very strange. I was like, is that for peeping? Like, oh, I want to go, want to see what's going on in that room. Let me go get my ladder and look up in these windows. I used to go tour a lot of plantation homes back in the day because my father was a big architecture nerd, and he liked looking at the old houses, and uh, a lot of them have them as well, and really tall ceilings. And very large porches. They knew what they were doing. 
I also read that in some cases the kitchen was completely separate from the house, often in a shed-like structure in the backyard. Do you know how far you had to go to make dinner and then walk it across the yard again? Exactly zero feet because you had a maid. Oh, I guess they probably did, didn't they? Plus, it's no further from the outhouse. Yeah, that's another complaint I have. It not only kept the heat out of the main house, but it protected the house from burning down if the cooking fire got out of hand. A lot of those old houses that we'd go to also had separate kitchens. Also, these places had big yards, so sometimes they were like 100 feet from the house. Jolly? An Indian word that roughly translates to net. These were placed in the window and had small interlocking holes that the air passed through, cooling it. Do you know, like whenever you open your mouth and you go, it's hot. And when you do your lips up like a fish and you blow through, it's cooler. Same concept. The Taj Mahal has them. Obviously, this was advanced stuff. Thick walls using radiant cooling. So this is wild, and I can't wait to hear your skepticism. I'm just going to say it as I understood it, and then you can say your piece at the end. Okay. Radiant cooling refers to your body heat being absorbed by your surroundings. Thicker walls in buildings like fortresses and castles have greater thermal inertia. On top of that, they would have concealed but exposed channels of water, As the water flowed, it would carry the heat away from the wall, making it cooler. So I don't know where you got this information from. (laughs) I know, I know, but I wanted to add it because it seemed wild. I don't know if the effect that you're referring to is strong enough to actually noticeably cool an environment. And also, the materials that these walls would have been made out of cannot possibly conduct temperature that well. Again, I'd love to be wrong. If any scientist doctors from NASA are listening and want to explain it. Oh yes, our many, our many scientist doctor astronauts that listen, that have the time to listen to this show, this little, little, little show. They're not astronauts, don't be foolish. They're military trained scientist doctors from NASA. Hit us up. A lot of these are ways that the rich and affluent kept cool, but what did the average Joseph do? The you and me's, you know, the poor people. Die. Probably. Well, we had mats made out of reeds that we moistened. We would lay those at the entrance of our homes, and the moistened mats would evaporate and cool the air as it entered through the door. Kind of like laundry, but you're not drying your laundry. Maybe that was in addition to the reed mats. Or maybe they just did that when they didn't have any dirty laundry. (laughs) Who doesn't have dirty laundry? Well, I mean, if all you've used that day is a pair of socks, you're not going to... That's a good point. If it's very hot, I'm probably not going to be wearing a lot of clothes. You can't dirty clothes if you're not wearing clothes. And if you're very poor and you don't have that many clothes, what are you going to wear while you're drying all your clothes in the door? Absolutely nothing the way God intended. God bless. Now that we've talked about how absolutely crap life was back in ye olden times, let's talk about the hero of this episode, the invention of the air conditioner. That's what this episode's about, air conditioners. Just in case we didn't say that earlier. I don't think we did. We also didn't say our names. We were leading up. 
to the big reveal. It was about air conditioners. It's the big twist of the episode. The big twist. The big twist is that we're still us and we're covering a topic. There's a big twist in every episode. I understand if some of you didn't catch it, you know, at the big reveal. But if you go back and listen to each one, you'll find it. You're just trying to boost those numbers, aren't you? Got a mind for marketing. I'm good to our listeners, and I don't want them to waste their time on content that they already consumed. Well, I am concurrently watching two series that I have already seen multiple times. Although you should go listen to that roller skating episode again. By far our best episode, am I right? We didn't think we could outdo toilet paper, but man, roller skates. So I would say imagine your life without an air conditioner, but the episode started that way, so I don't think it would take much imagination. We had mats and laundry and thick walls. Our story is going to start with a Florida man. Yeehaw. I know what you're thinking. Florida man petitions federal government for a license to marry his air conditioner. No, no, no. No, That's what I was thinking. No, this is actually a good Florida man. They have those now? Oh, come on now. Florida is why all those shows say characters welcome. No? You don't know what I'm talking about? No idea. You don't remember at the beginning of shows on TV, it used to say characters welcome? Nope. Okay, well, we're going to Google that later. Florida people are actually some of the funniest people I've met. Especially whenever they talk about Florida. <laughs> There's a great book. I, uh, I have to give my book recommendation for this podcast, as I do every week. Go back and listen. <laughs> I snuck it in there really slyly, but if you go back and listen to every episode, you'll, you'll hear it. Okay, I think it's called Best State Ever, with a period in between each. Uh, a Florida Man Defends His Homeland, and it's by Dave Barry. How come you've never told me about this book? I'm always having you get books for my Kindle. Because you usually prefer fiction and uh, classics. Didn't think that was your type of book. It isn't usually, but I am starting to dabble in the nonfiction. I I started with fiction, and then I moved to memoirs, which is like fiction, except for it's real. (laughs) Because it's stories about people's lives, and they tell it like a story. Anyway... And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start start dabbling in the nonfiction. Remember that book about the Monopoly game that that guy wrote? Oh yeah. I'm gonna get you to put that on my Kindle too. His name was Doctor John Gorey. Also, we're in the 1840s now, which is relatively modern times compared to what we were talking about. Doctor John believed that cooling was the key to avoid diseases, specifically malaria. Because at the time, they thought that malaria was caused by bad air, which we know now... Is 100% true. No, it was mosquitoes. Where do mosquitoes like to hang out? In places with bad air. Checkmate. Well, he had an idea about draining the swamps in Florida because he thought that that was where the bad air was coming from. Consequently, Which is 100% true. The swamps is also where the mosquitoes were nesting. So he kind of knocked that one out of the park on accident. At the very least, he thought it was important to keep patients cool and comfortable, which I think we can agree that when you're sick, being hot on top of that is pretty miserable. So his idea was to ship ice from the northern states of the U.S. to Florida. 
But shipping was expensive, and I would imagine shipping something as temperamental as ice was even more of a challenge, so he began experimenting with making artificial ice, or mechanically produced ice. No, he just put it in a refrigerated truck. Yeah, because they had so many refrigerated trucks. They didn't have anything else. They were like, oh, how do I get a refrigerated truck into my house? Ah, right, that's what he's inventing. (laughs) By 1845, he gave up his medical practice to pursue refrigeration, and by 1850, he was able to routinely produce ice the size of bricks. He was granted a patent for his ice machine. Unfortunately, he was unsuccessful at bringing his patent to the market. His chief financial backer died, and it all kind of went downhill for him, but his invention did lay the foundation for modern cooling and refrigeration. But he died poor. As all great inventors do. Not much happened for a while, but in 1902, I feel like that happens a lot. (laughs) This inventor made this really awesome thing, but no one wanted it, and he died poor, and then 50 years went by. In 1902, engineer Willis Carrier was tasked by a Buffalo Forge company to solve a humidity problem that was causing magazine pages to wrinkle and misshapen. At the time, printing color required the pages to go through several times for each color to be added, but the pages wrinkling and changing shape caused the colors to be added in places they didn't belong. He worked some of his engineering magic. In this case, he used coils filled with cold water and passed air through it. The excess humidity would then condense on the coils, which cooled the air and also removed moisture to control room humidity. Fancy. It was... Very cutting edge. He knew that this apparatus for treating air, which is what he called it, apparatus for treating air, would be popular amongst more than just printing companies because of the comforts it enabled. The idea caught on with other businesses and factories, and he founded the Carrier Air Conditioning Company of America. But it was the movie theaters that introduced the air conditioner to the public. Theaters provided cheap entertainment and were well-loved, but the small, dark spaces were known for their stale air and smell of sweat. As they are today, whenever there's a new Marvel movie. I have an aunt who refuses to go to movie theaters because she says that it, it never fails. She will sit next to someone who refuses to wear deodorant and is very sweaty. That's why I never go to a movie while it's still new and wait a little while so that the theater's mostly empty. Theaters wanted to widen their patronage, so Carrier's technology soon became a staple to the cinematic experience. I think they wanted to attract rich people. Need that concession stand money. Which is probably why we have the concept of the summer blockbuster. Are you aware of the summer blockbuster? I have heard this archaic term before, yes. All the great movies would be released in the summer. I always thought it was because kids were out of school. And, like, people were, had more time to do extracurricular activities. It might have just been a, a happy coincidence. People wanted to escape the heat, and two hours of AC and entertainment was exactly what they were looking for. It wasn't until after World War II that the air conditioner reached domestic homes. People were eager to put the whole horrible beginning of the 20th century behind them and walk into the future of prosperity that would come in the 1950s. In 1945, Life magazine published a spread about air conditioning titled Air Conditioning slash After the War, It Will Be Cheap Enough to Put in Private Homes. The future is bright. And cool. 
It was a time of keeping up with the Joneses. That mentality was good for capitalism, and it really did build a strong economy filled with people enjoying the benefits of living in such a rich country. We finally reached a point in time where relatively poor white people could afford luxuries too. Finally a win for the lower middle class white guy. At the beginning of the 20th century, when AC was new, there were some people who questioned whether it was immoral to control your environment in such a way. But I think people had gotten far enough away from the Victorian mindset that that thought didn't catch on, or maybe people were fed up with being hot and they didn't care. I just thought it was interesting that as late as the early 20th century, people were having some of the same thoughts that they did in 1000 about forks. Only devil worshippers use forks. Harlots. Harlots and devil worshippers. Harlots use forks. Devil worshippers cool their homes. All right. (laughs) It's a widely believed fact. Now it's the part of the show where Danielle has random things that she asks Ben about, and he guesses what the answer is. Seems to be a reoccurring bit. Who wants to be a thing-a-millionaire? Who wants to be a thing-a-millionaire? Yeah. All right. Which country do you think has the most air conditioners? I am willing to put money on India. Um, no. India is not on this list, actually. Really? mm That's surprising. Japan at 91% homes. That makes sense. Their climate can be quite tropical at times, and they have the technology to produce a lot of air conditioning. Do you want to guess who the runner-up is? China. <laughs> is it the U.S.? Ding, ding! Okay. The United States at 90%. And then I'll just give you the rest of the list. Korea at 86%, Saudi Arabia at 63%, and China at 60%. I find it interesting that three-fifths of this list is Asian countries. I got these numbers from a 2016 chart, so I don't know if that has changed, but this that was the stats for 2016. Fascinating. See, I would have expected it to be India because it's quite warm there most of the time, and they have so many people living there. They're still using the moistened reed mats. That's not a fact. I don't know what they're doing. Carl Rock would know. I need to ask Carl. Have you ever had to go without air conditioning in the summer? Oh, let me tell you about Hurricane Katrina. I was thinking the same thing. I'm pretty sure my sister still has some some post-traumatic stress from, from Katrina. Anytime the lights go out, she starts freaking out about how hot it's going to be about the ac turning off and yet they moved to arizona well they didn't choose to move to arizona the military moved them to arizona yeah hurricane katrina was terrible i remember we had to get all the tree branches and everything out of our yard so we were dragging them up our 100 something 200 something foot driveway in the sun and was it august and then we'd get done working outside and then we'd go back inside and it was even hotter (laughs) i remember we had a pump so we had water we would take cold showers and i remember how odd it was that you would get under that cold water and it would hit your scalp and by the time that water ran down your body it was warm because of how hot you were good times those are the good old days also you would be so cold in that shower 
you would think, oh my gosh, I have never, I'm so happy to get out of here. And then you would step out of the wall, out of the shower and immediately become too hot. You'd go from freezing cold water to sweating as soon as you, it, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, we must not have had water because I do remember driving into town to the parking lot of some store where they had the Coast Guard set up handing out cases of water bottles and MREs. I loved the MREs. Yeah, those were good times. That bacon cheese spread, oh, on those roofing tile of a cracker. Unleavened brick. Also, that lemon poppy seed pound cake. Oh, yeah, the poppy Mm. seed pound cakes were incredible. We'd fight over those. Good times. We also had a generator, and we would turn it on every evening. And on Thursday nights, we would turn on the TV and all watch CSI together. What is your family's obsession with CSI? I don't know, but my parents still love anything that is, like, crime show related. They have seen every episode of SVU. I remember putting wet socks in the freezer because I thought that nice cold socks on my feet would be comfy. I'm just now remembering that. I don't ever want to wear wet socks. (laughs) They were cold wet socks. If you love your air conditioner, which I know we do, make sure that you change your air filters. How often are you supposed to change your air filters, Ben? Isn't it once a month? Those are very, very, very important. Not only do they keep your air clean, but they also preserve the life of your air conditioner. Yeah. Doesn't do well if it has to push against eight pounds of dust. Maybe get your air conditioner serviced if it has been, if you haven't had it serviced since you installed it. It's not supposed to rattle like that. Those people charge away too much. Get a multimeter, check the capacitor, don't lick it, you will die. My brother is an HVAC technician. Check that little switch that goes clickety-clackety on and off. Make sure you know where your filters are. Make sure you know what size they are. And uh, maybe write the date that they need to be changed on them. Also, the dirtier they are, the more your electricity bill will be. So if you want to save money, get rid of those dust bunnies. Thank you for listening to our Hurricane Katrina Experiences podcast. (laughs) And another exciting history of a mundane thing. My name is Ben. And I'm Danielle. Don't forget to grab a goose and change your filters. Thanks for listening. Now, go! Forgive me, but you look for me.